Welcome to season four of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about operationalizing great patient experience and how to prioritize this while continuing to deliver great services. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Lori Dolo, patient experience designer and healthcare operations expert. Lori, uh, welcome to the show. Why don't you um, start by giving us a little background on yourself? Greg, thank you so much for having me today. It's a real privilege to be able to speak with you and your audience, and what an important topic. Thank you for having it as a topic on your podcast. Uh, my name is Lori Dolo, and I am an RN, and I have taken kind of a circuitous route on my uh, career path, um, which has included a background in disaster response, uh, leading clinical teams, and leading in the care experience space. And so my passion really revolves around that. How do we architect and design uh, workflows that land at that exceptional experience? Because it's important for our employees who are providing that care, and it's important for the patients who are receiving that care. Wonderful. Well, yeah, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to talking with you here. So, when when talking about uh, patient experience, there's a tendency to consider it almost a nice to have rather than a requirement of delivery. So, while it may seem obvious to anyone working in healthcare, can you talk about some of the reasons why this happens? Uh, I think there are probably some things that anyone in any industry can draw a parallel to. But you know, if you can talk about it in, in healthcare, that'd be great. Absolutely. So, when you ask that question, it reminds me of Franklin Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he took some time to break down what we focus on into four different categories. That urgent important, the urgent non-important, the non-urgent important, and the non-urgent non-important. Um, healthcare has been in crisis mode for a while. You know, even prior to the pandemic, the healthcare industry in the U.S. was being challenged to find greater efficiencies, to reduce costs to the consumers. There was a lot of pressure on healthcare even prior to the pandemic. And as I speak to many frontline healthcare practitioners and healthcare leaders, I see the tyranny of the urgent really driving decisions. Um, we have been in crisis mode kind of so long now that that's really framing how we're going about making decisions. And so patient experience falls into that non-urgent important space often, which often gets drowned out um, by the crisis of the urgent item of the moment that we need to solve to. So that's where I think it ends up leaving it as a nice to have instead of a critical to have. But I'd caution us, however, that if non-urgent important things are left in that nice to have category too long, then just like it catches up with us when you don't pay your bills on time because that's non-urgent important stuff, that lack of focus on patient experience is going to catch up with us at an organizational level as well. If we don't take time to invest time and resources into designing and implementing 
that consistently exceptional patient experience, we're going to fail to differentiate ourselves um, to healthcare consumers. And because of that, then membership in health plans is going to fall. People are going to move to different organizations. They're going to be looking for that place that does differentiate themselves. And so organizations that want to lead in this area are going to need to move patient experience from being that frosting into the flour, right? When we think about building a cake, you can't have a cake without flour. So it's an integral part about how you design the care you provide. Um, and it's that differentiator. And it's also really important at a financial level too. I know finance and efficiency tend to be a couple of the things that healthcare is really focused on right now. Um, and at a financial level, um, we are moving into a space where Medicare Five Star is one of those areas that companies want to be awarded. If you're awarded a Medicare Five Star rating, it means that you can enroll Medicare people all year long into your plan. If you are not, if you're below that five star ranking, you can only enroll them during a certain part of the year. And so that limits the amount of people and membership that you can bring in at that Medicare level. And Medicare has switched. They used to really use metrics around clini the clinical space as the key factors to achieving that Medicare five-star. And over the past few years, they have been moving that emphasis on clinical over to the emphasis on experience. And this upcoming year, uh, the experiential metrics are actually weighted four times as heavy as the clinical areas. And so you'll see even at that financial level that ex experience is ringing in really high. Yeah, so to, to kind of follow on that, and you touched on some of some of this um, already, but how do you change the attitude within the organization? Is it, you know, you mentioned some of these some of these drivers, but you know, what where does the attitude change occur so that, you know, this gets lumped in with more critical, you know, with some of those those critical issues as well that um, that might distract from the goal of patient experience. In healthcare, we look to evidence-based best practice to inform the things that we focus on and the things that we implement. And some research has come out in the past few years. Um, Dr. Trzeziak and Mazzarelli are physician scientists who wrote a book called Compassionomics. And in that book, they collated uh, a meta-analysis of a whole bunch of different research studies on the topic of compassion. And compassion has definitely been one of those things that in healthcare, you know, 50% of people who come into healthcare say that they did not experience compassion when they were interacting with the healthcare workers. And as a nurse myself, that breaks my heart because that's one of those spaces in which we really want to uphold people. But for a business at the business level, um, they can still leave it as a nice to have until you start getting this research and understanding um, what Dr. Trzeziak and Mazzarelli were saying about how demonstrating compassion in medicine actually positively affects medical outcomes. People get well and stay well longer if they're treated with compassion. It impacts patient experience. It impacts business profitability. If people are getting well faster and staying well longer, then they're not going to have as much of a burden on the healthcare system coming back and back and having the same conversation and going over the same um, area of topic with their physician. Um, and even well-being of clinicians themselves is impacted by um, 
using compassion within the relationships and within their healthcare interactions. Um, I think uh, overcoming misperceptions is another space. Uh, I think the perception for many in the business area or maybe in the C-suite is that um, in order to provide exceptional patient experience, it's going to take too much time and it's going to cost us more. Um, so they're going to, those practices of patient, um, good patient care are going to incur unwanted inefficiency and they're going to impact cost. Um, back in 2017, Christy Dempsey with Prescani made a case for embedding a connection question into the nursing assessment time. You're already in there with a patient. You're already having this conversation with them. And one question embedded into that time, she called it the 56-second connection to achieve meaningful connection between that nurse and patient. And then Dr. Trezegiak and Mazzarelli, the authors of Compassionomics, actually reference 40 seconds. It only takes 40 seconds to have that authentic connection. And I would say there's times when we make authentic connections human to human that are as quick as a smile or as quick as a nod. Um, it doesn't have to take a long time. And so I think overcoming that perception of, oh, that's going to lead to inefficiency is an important thing for business leaders to understand in order to be able to prioritize that in the organization. So how do you, um, how do you incentivize or what kind of programs do you put in place to do that? I mean, I, I love that, that concept of, you know, it's only, only 40 seconds can make a huge difference. It's almost like the, the Geico commercials. It's like, you know, it's, it doesn't take a lot in other words to, um, to make a big effect, but you know, how do you, do you put in place a program? What types of incentives? What other things have you seen that that can move the needle on making these kinds of changes? So I think a commitment to having it be a part of the culture of your organization. Is it a part? Is it referenced in your mission statement? Is it a driving force? And is it one of your values? Is do you identify as a company with being a place that provides exceptional care? So I think that's one of the one of the areas. Are you hiring for it? Is it part of the structure of how you hire people into your organization? Often you hear people say you want to hire for attitude and train for skill, right? And so are you hiring? Are your hiring practices are the ways that you're interviewing people, bringing out people's um, attitude and commitment to exceptional patient experience? And then I think talking about it, is it a regular cadence in leadership meetings, in um, the way that you talk with your staff. Um, patient experience metrics also need to be a part of the organizational goals and bonusing structure. So whatever you make as your organizational goals and your bonusing structure is what is a priority for that organization. If that's not in there, then what you're inadvertently saying to your staff and to the, your organization is that's not really as priority as these other things are. So I think elevating the priority of it within the organizational structure um, is an important thing. Um, James Clear has a book called Atomic Habits. And one of the things that he talks about a lot is habit stacking. So one of the things that I tend to do with teams is look at what the workflow already is and how can you optimize a workflow that's already in place with adding a little habit stack. An example of that would be as, as nurses and clinicians, we often ask the question, okay, a person's just told you they're in pain and you ask them, 
tell me what that is on a one to 10 scale so that I can understand it better. Um, But a person just told you they're in pain. You need to pause and take a moment and acknowledge the fact that the person's in pain. And that could be as simple as saying, it sounds like this is really a difficult time for you right now, or I'm so sorry that you're, this has brought you in here today. We're going to get this taken care of for you so that I can understand better what's going on with you. Can you give me that on a one to 10 scale? So putting it in a regular workflow that's already in place and just putting an optimizer in there really makes it easier for people to adopt. Um, Dedicated time to actually do it. I, uh, was part of implementing a nurse leader rounding. And when we first started the program, it was at about 30% of our patients were getting a nurse leader in the room with them, asking them about um, how their their experience has been. Um, towards the end, we were up in the 80s and 90s range because the organization dedicated some time and said, we're gonna make this one area um, a meeting-free zone so that you guys have the time to do this practice. So dedicated time is another um, thing that's helpful. And then I I think human-centered design, where frontline staff and patients are designing workflows together, is another critical piece. We have for too long designed in silo um, just with healthcare professionals and without the end user being involved in that. And the dedication to having patient partners and having people who are Uh, with us on that design uh, group are really critical to making sure that we land the architecture of care correctly. Let's uh, switch a little bit here and talk a little bit about operationalizing great patient experience from the employee experience perspective. Um, So to start out there, uh, what do you see as a relationship between employee experience and the patient experience? Employees um, are curators of a company's brand promise. You know, sometimes companies run afoul of trying to improve patient experience without considering the connection to employee engagement. Um, And then that can feel really disingenuous to the employees, makes it harder for them to authentically represent that brand promise because they feel like the brand promise is only for the end user rather than it being also for them. And so where we can better understand and help them connect with, here's our brand promise. And then they say to themselves, I'm committed to making sure that that brand's promise is, is experienced by everyone I interact with because I'm experiencing the support of this organization. I am experiencing their, their loyalty. I'm experiencing their care. Um, it helps them then to turn around and do that for the patients that they're serving. Um, you know, many healthcare workers go into healthcare because they desire to be practically helping people. And when there's operational barriers or success metrics set up against them, you know, some in some of our call centers, it's like, you need to get off the phone, you need to get off the phone, right. you know, and right. that is important that we be able to get to the next caller. But we also don't want to cut off that moment of connection that they can throw in there for a couple seconds with that member that actually differentiates that experience for that member. Um, doctors and other healthcare professionals providing one-on-one care to patients bemoan that their face-to-face time's been cut and they're finding it hard to connect authentically when they feel like the clock is ticking. So I think having um, employee engagement recognition that's specific to 
recognizing when employees have gone above and beyond, giving them the freedom and the um, authority to be able to make a decision to do well for the patient um, in the moment. It might be a little outside the box. You know, I've seen one of the, the great stories that I remember um, with uh, my company was that one of our nurses saw that this one patient didn't have any shoes and he needed to be walking. And she went out on her break. She got him shoes, brought the shoes back. He was walking. And instead of needing to go to a, a advanced care placement or a rehab placement, he was able to go home because we were able to make sure that he was going to be safe walking within the facility. And so those types of stories need to be embedded into the conversations that leadership is having with their staff to encourage people that this is how we want to show up for our patients um, and to reward those who do things like that. To follow up on that, I mean, there's the story was great as, a, as an anecdote to be able to share there um, the impact that some of these things can happen. What, how do you turn that into the data or the information that management needs to help prioritize this? Kind of going back to the very beginning of, of us talking here is, um, you know, leadership needs to be able to see that this is a critical issue that needs investment and prioritization and things. So what kind of information can you, you know, should organizations be thinking about um, sending up to, to management, to, you know, from the employee experience level in order to get better patient experience results? Yeah, so I think this is a space where leadership rounding is really important. Um, having that feedback loop where leadership can hear from frontline staff, um, whether that be um, a meeting where a leader comes and, and it's more uh, a meeting where the employees themselves are driving the agenda and talking about things or asking questions that are important to them, like a fireside chat or something like that, or whether it be a, a senior leader coming to an already established team meeting and asking critical questions like, you know, what's going on in your work? How can I make it easier for you guys to do the work that you're doing today? What is it? Are, do you have any barriers that I can bust for you? That's my job. I want to do that for you. Um, leadership rounding, having that feedback is is critical for them to in, in understand what the word on the ground is or the word on the street is about what's going on in the company. I think employee experience survey data that helps them understand if employees are understanding their role in curating that brand promise, um, understanding where if they're feeling a loyalty or a kinship to the company, uh, they can access through their employee experience survey data, um, that information. And so how are you moving the dial? Is that going the direction you want it to year over year or quarter over quarter, however often you do that, or is that going a different way? So that could be a real indicator for leadership um, data-wise for employee experience. And then I think the closer you can get to real-time feedback for employees, the better. So do you have real-time feedback? Some of our, like our HCAPs, our hospital um, patient experience metrics come, you know, months later. And so to give a recognition to someone months after they did something doesn't really keep the momentum going. So the closer you can get to real-time feedback where the next day after, or a few hours later, you're saying, hey, Joe, you know, 
this patient just shared with me what an impact you made on them today because you did this, this, and this. Um, to be able to share that in daily huddles with staff um, and have that as an ongoing conversation of look at the awesomeness that's going on here, grabbing a rating off of Google or um, somewhere else, uh, Vital Smarts or some of the other uh, social media spaces, grabbing a comment off of Facebook. How can you get that real-time feedback to your employees so that that maintains the, this is important and we want to recognize you for doing a great job. One last question before we wrap up. Um, eventually the world may move on from the current global pandemic. I mean, we're still obviously in it. Um, as of the recording of this episode. Um, but, you know, it stands to reason that despite no matter what happens, there's going to be another disruption or more in the near future, good, bad, or, you know, somewhere in between. How can a healthcare organization protect itself from the worst effects of disruption and plan for the future while we're, you know, admittedly not even, you know, through the current one? Um, so, you know, what advice would you give to leaders who have this responsibility? And, you know, we've been talking a lot about um, you know, optimizing patient experience and, and things like that. But, you know, this this is also about doing that while managing things through change and through unanticipated change. You know, what, what advice would you give to leaders that, that are trying to think through these things? I think um, I mentioned it earlier, but moving away from designing in silo is going to be really important. Um, really leaning into human-centered design and the principles of human-centered design making sure that the end user is involved in the design of whatever it is you're trying to redesign or optimize for the future. Um, and that we're not just doing it kind of in an ivory tower away from the end user. I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think helping both employees and patients not feel like a number, but as a valued participant um, will help them to lock into loyalty. And that's going to help organizations weather the storm um, if they have this core group that's loyal to the company um, at the employee level and at the uh, membership level. So I think one of the big crises right at the moment is staffing for a lot of healthcare organizations and having staff move, whether it's been because of the complexity of their life or because maybe they're not feeling uh, like the company's got their back. How can we uh, make sure that that the employee engagement is high and that our employees are committed to what we're trying to accomplish as an organization um, and that they're going to stick with us over the long haul because we've stuck with them and they've stuck with us. So I think that's one of the things to think about. And then I think making sure that some of the leadership roles in the organization are supported to focus and prioritize innovation, even in the midst of crisis. I think the natural tendency is to like shut the innovation down or shut anything that's going to bring more change down because we're in crisis mode. But if we stick there too long, then we're not going to be ready to bounce back into the innovation space when things ease up a bit. And I think just to use the word you, you used, you know, change, there's a lot of change going on. Remembering that change management is a human thing. It's not just a numbers thing. And you have a lot of humans that you're trying to get all lined up going the same direction. And that takes quite a bit of lift uh, from your middle management and from your um, executive management to make sure that people understand where we're going, that we've heard their concerns, that we've taken those into account, that we've helped them help us design it so that everybody's moving forward together. 
Well, Lori, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn um, at Lori Dolo. Last name is like solo, but with a D, Delta, uh, D-O-L-O. And uh, I'm also going to be uh, bringing forth a website. I've got some trainings coming up if people are interested in talking more with me. Um, happy to do that. Um, you can find me at my website at www.loridoloscott.com. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Lori Dolo, patient experience designer and healthcare operations expert for joining the show. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkilstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.